Hi there. Welcome to Monsters of Talk. I am Margaret Cho. I'm Jim Short. And we are here. Um, we are having a very, very special day because we have a great guest with us. My friend, also comedian, author, so many things. What, do, what would you say all your things are? This is a Felon O'Reilly. Hi. Uh, well, I'm a comic and a public speaker and a mm -hmm. career criminal. <laughs> what is what is career criminal mean? Um, well, I asked them that when they indicted me, and uh, <laughs> they said it means you've never had a legitimate source of income. Oh, okay. And okay. I was like, what? The paper route didn't count for anything. <laughs> I know. How far back do they go in the resume? Uh, they they go, go. Oh, no, here we go. Here we go. But you went pro. It's a lifetime look back, so they, wow. they don't forget anything. But so. crime, I mean, crime is legitimately like uh, money-making activity, all, although, you know, it is, it is a, a difficult one and, and certainly ca causes harm to everyone. It certainly does make money, don't you think? It, it, well, yeah, and that's the whole point. Uh, and and it's, uh, it's a lot of work, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to, if, you, if that's what you want to do for a living as opposed to people that get drunk and commit a crime, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. people that decide to get into a life of crime. Um, which people aren't doing it, you know, it's hard to do these days. No, uh, it's, it's not easy, but you have changed everything and turned it all around and, and you've written, um, a couple of great books. Uh, one right here we have laughing on the inside and it's, uh, your <laughs> life story. And, um, I, I read this book and I was really moved and we uh, brought this book actually on tour, uh, my tour, tour group and I, and we were passing it all around. It was like a really like a fucked up Oprah's book club. <laughs> we were just like reading it and discussing it. And we would have these like discussions every night about what we read. And we were like, not, um, you know, just not believing some of the things that you actually got away with. So in a, in a sense, Oh, quite a lot of your life is really charmed. Oh yeah, I'm the luckiest guy I know. Mm -hmm. you know? I had a my grandfather used to tell me if if you're lucky enough to be Irish, you're lucky enough. And I had the I, I was certainly blessed. <laughs> most you know most of my friends uh, that I did this stuff with didn't either didn't survive it or they're doing a life sentence. Mm -hmm. So I was I was very very fortunate. Mm. Um, how long were you in prison? Well, some people have a bad day. I had a bad decade. Mm. <laughs> but never, uh, uh, I didn't do 10 years straight. I did, I think, about a dozen years altogether. It's um, a long time. Yeah, longest one was three, you know, and there was a couple of two and two and a halfs and you know what I mean? So then, you, so you would be in prison, and then you'd get out, and then would you be sober, and then try to start no. over? Were you able to get drugs in prison? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was responsible for some of that. Oh, <laughs> you were you were the one to come to, right? Right. Knock on knock on that cell. Hello. Well, but see, that's the thing is, is we're criminals, mm -hmm. and just because you lock us up doesn't stop us from being criminals. It just changes our venue. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so until you treat the... It's, it's the same thing with a, with a drug addict, you know, or, or any disease. If you, if you cage any diseased animal, when you open that cage, you still got a diseased animal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So uh, that's, that's not going to change anything unless you treat it. Mm -hmm. And so I spent most of the 80s 
locked up. I'd get out for a couple of months, sometimes six months, sometimes two months, and then I'd pick up a new beef and and get sent back. And uh, what is it? What is a beef? A, a, a case, a, you know, a, get a, a get a, get a get another case, another arrest, new charges. Oh, new charges. So yeah. then, when you would get out of prison, you never. Um, did you did you ever like think okay this is the last time I'm going to go straight and I'm going to be this what, what was the thought process like from getting in to getting out? Well, the the paradox is, as soon as you go to prison, you're focused on getting out. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, your biggest fear is getting out because you know you can't do it. You can't mm-hmm. succeed on the outside mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and as you know as i had more time under my belt and i had street creds and then i had prison creds um and i was successful in there mm-hmm. you know and then you open the gate and let me out and i'm just a useless junkie on the street mm-hmm. so then i start to equate prison with success mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so that's what happened and uh I had everything all flipped around and then you get so used to prison and and how things operate in there how life works in there that it it just everything on the outside seems fucked up you know what i mean like we come out and we think man you people are fucked up <laughs> um it's interesting to be sitting here with both of you gentlemen because uh jim short um is one of the few people that i know who has never had a uh, drug or a drink in his life he is a uh, he's a miracle not a miracle because it's not like but i guess we you know that's fucked up i'm a normal <laughs> i'm a weird and i'm australian so that makes it even worse that I know, makes that's it even really, stranger like what? How come, what, you know? How? It, the funny thing is if you don't drink, people ask you, well, what happened? There must yes. be a story. Like you, you got to that point and you had to stop. Mm-hmm. And if you go, hey, I just never did, you just sound like the biggest pussy in the world because you just <laughs> cool. didn't do it, you know? But I don't know, it just never interested me. Right. But maybe it's kept me out of some, some trouble, but I think it's also kept me from maybe enjoying some of the fun stories that some people have <laughs> at the same time. But then I sit across from you and I go, well, at least I, don't, I didn't have the, the bad of a decade that you had right. on the inside there. Right. But, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't look at it as being a bad decade. You know right. what I mean? I didn't, it was just, it was, it was the price you paid to do what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the very end when I was sick of doing time and, and it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. And I wanted to stop and I couldn't. That's when it, but, but prior to that, because I, I mean, I, I, I was sent to prison seven times and it was only the last two times that I was wanted to change mm-hmm. and couldn't. Was you the biggest I mean? problem a dependency issue, like like some kind of no. addiction, or was that just part of what well, was going in on the with end, you? In the end, when I was strung out pretty bad on heroin, you know, and and so what happened then is um, I lost I lost that ability to pick and choose my crimes because mm-hmm. I had to have the dope. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, mm-hmm. prior to the heroin, I didn't have that problem, and if something didn't look right, I would just walk away from it live to steal another day yeah right you know what i mean so then you had that instinct you were sort of like instinctually or psychically connected to what you were doing as 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 so you could sort of tell if it was going to work or not absolutely oh, oh yeah that's interesting I, you know i put a lot of effort into it 
I actually have a degree in criminal justice, uh -huh. you know, and I, and I did that just to find out how they were going to come after me, mm. you know? So I knew someday I was going to prison. It was just a question of when and for how long. Wait, was it, was there a lot of it in the same area? Cause you know, you see TV shows where they are, they know the, the, all the criminal people in that area. Mm -hmm. It must've mm -hmm. been so-and-so like there's oh, a yeah. relationship between the police and and some of the oh, the, yeah. the offenders sure. and it might be more sort of made into a story but is, is there any element of that like they are you know you got to know them somewhat oh, because God, yeah. so much yet so much uh <laughs> yeah. time together sure and and you know it was a you know they would round they would bring me in for questioning whenever something happened and, mm. you know every once in a while that when i when I was innocent, <laughs> I'd get all indignant then. You know? <laughs> How You're dare you? Blaming me. <laughs> How dare you? But they what? could tell maybe they, they, they were like, oh, this, this is uh, your handiwork, certainly. Or, you know, they, they would have yeah. this idea of what, what happened was connected to your personality or what they knew of you. And you're right. And, and, you know, I always believe that if they brought me in for questioning, it's because they didn't fucking know. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? If they knew, they weren't going to bring me in for questioning. They were just going to arrest me. Mm -hmm. All right. You know what I mean? So that's where the right to remain silent came in. <laughs> yeah, yeah you learn all that, right? You learn all your Miranda rights, right. and yeah. you know the speech, right? Can you do it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's a very, I mean, to me, I think what is also pretty addictive is the lifestyle of, of, of committing crimes and getting away with it. That's oh, got yeah, to be a hugely... Yeah, huge rush. Well, it affects the same part of your brain as drugs. Mm -hmm. That whole adrenaline thing. Right. You know, and like a lot of times when I'm speaking at high schools and stuff, the kids will ask me, what's the best high you ever had? And I'll tell them, a fucking armed robbery. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know? that's, like, that's like better than a workout, right? Absolutely. That's just, ooh, feel the burn well, on that, eh? Well, you would, you would get, you'd get three to five days building up. Mm -hmm. to the score mm -hmm. and then you get a massive rush when you did it and then you'd have a three to five day residual wondering if you got away with it right, right. and then you start planning the next one what you know? what what kind of places did you did you or can you even talk about that well yeah yeah i can talk was it like that. banks and i only did one bank when i was young and i only did oh, one I bank only... i got no stories like that <laughs> let me tell you about the, the, the one bank i did the rest of it was all bullshit but i did one bank <laughs> one bank <laughs> i i I stopped doing the the armed robberies. First of all, I didn't like the banks because you had to have too many people. Yeah. You had to have like at mm -hmm. least three people. Mm. And trying to find two other people that I could trust was very difficult. That must be the right. thing because you've got to trust exactly. dodgy people. You've got to trust yes. them with your life. Oh, yes, you know? yes. And so I had one friend like that. And so when he was out of prison, we ran together. If, if we were both out at the same time, mm -hmm. we did a lot of nice scores together. But it was, he was like the only person I ever knew that when they'd bring us in for questioning and they'd split us up and put us in different interrogation rooms and then the cops would come into my room and say, you might as well tell us everything because your buddy just did. And I, I knew without a doubt they were full of shit. Right, you know, right. And he would die before he would do that. Right. Not for me, not so much for my sake, mm -hmm. but because it was just... 100% totally against his morals, his convict right. morals. Right. You know what I mean? That was that code almost, so you Absolutely. just don't grasp on right. somebody else. But, you know, then it got to be where, you know, I only, I probably only did the armed robberies for like a year or so, and then it, it was, there was no challenge to it. 
Right. Anybody can stick a gun in somebody's face and bully their money off of them. You know what I mean? There was no challenge to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like going in and and bullshitting your way right. out of a store with, you know, a few thousand dollars worth of merchandise, you know, mm-hmm. or using a, a stolen credit card with a woman's name on it and bullshitting <laughs> your way through it. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And then huh? the next uh, suction cups g- crawling up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking right, like these. Right, it's like right. you have to be like sort of like um, a Spider-Man or something. Right. <laughs> They're so creative with that stuff. Yes. But, the, you know, the reality is there's there's not, there's no money in used merchandise. You know, so all these shows that you see where people are burglars and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stealing color TVs and computers and all that, there's not a lot of money in used stuff. That's mostly kids or drug addicts doing that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The money's in the new stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's it's really hard to uh, to go in and say after I... This, the alarms today are so complicated, it's really hard to get into a building when mm-hmm. it's closed. So the easiest thing to do is go in when it's open. Oh, you know, and that's where your 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 bullshit works. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and again, even then, you know, like I would be, I would have a a, a dolly from the back of the store filled with merchandise. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were days I had security guards hold the door for me. Wow. But there were other days I I felt like something wasn't right, and I just walked away from it, left it sitting there. Right. And go hit the next door. You know Mm. what I mean? Because the goal is to not get caught. Yeah. You know, the goal. Not so much to get the stuff, but to not get busted. Exactly. Exactly. And so I I didn't even realize this until I got into recovery, but um, it was that rush. You know, the money, the money was a byproduct. You know what I mean? Right. It was that rush I was chasing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then, then I got clean and sober. I tried several times to stay clean and sober and, and still do crime. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. You know what I mean? The three were just so tied together. Right. You know? And so I finally had to give that up, too. Were there a lot of other people trying, uh, <laughs> is, trying is there to do crime that, anonymous? <laughs> I know. CA. CA? Well, no. That, and that's one of the problems. Um, when I got out of the federal prison... Um, we used to have to go to this meeting with other... If you had a dirty urine, you had to go to this meeting. That was the price of admission. And that was the one place I could go and talk about how much I loved doing crime. Mm-hmm. And they understood it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I did that at a regular open meeting, you know, a 12-step meeting somewhere, mm-hmm. people people started getting scared and, and, you know, they'd move a few chairs down. You right, know? <laughs> right. And it, it was really... You know, then you couldn't pick up the chicks. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. There, yeah, there's a lot of that. Just, just those specific ones <laughs> that were turned on by that. What do you, I mean, so if you're living in this world where most people would regard things as being really scary, what do you think was the most fear, fear, fearful thing for you? What were you afraid of? Um, I, I think, like I said earlier, uh, that I that I couldn't I couldn't do this I couldn't mm-hmm. live like this I couldn't live a normal life. You're you were afraid of I mean? the real like the real world like after because prison is very structured you know they they you have a place to it's live very you have meals simple. and the society and yeah. you don't have to really think about anything right. I guess you just go and you're right. there exactly you know and so you know you don't take somebody else's shit um, you don't be disrespectful you don't put up with disrespect. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. It's it's a very primal way to live. So you, you know? would have to, when you get into prison, you would have to establish 
this um, maybe a sort of a barrier boundaries sure, for yourself sure, and for other people. Sure. And that 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 when you, once you set them, then that would be in, in, enough. Right. But but that those are those are learned survival techniques mm -hmm. that you have to learn in there mm -hmm. in order to survive. Then when you get out, so in there you learn. You never talk to the cops. And right. when I say cops, I mean the guards, because those are our cops. You never talk to the, to the cops. You never go to the cops with a problem. Mm -hmm. And if somebody takes something from you or disrespects you in some way, then you stab them. Mm -hmm. Then when you get out here, somebody takes your shit, you're supposed to go talk to the cops. Yeah. It's totally right. fucked up. You know, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? it's like, excuse me, I, I, there's a different way of doing this. I'm supposed to stab you. I like my way better. <laughs> but it was the little things like I drove for 30 years without a driver's license. Uh huh. Because for me, it was easier to go do 10 days for driving without a license than it was to go through all the bullshit right. at the Division of Motor Vehicles. Which you know is know also I mean? another kind of prison. Yeah, exactly. it's another kind of torture. <laughs> yeah, it's torture. It's really, I mean, um, it's interesting how, you know, in, in general, there is this, uh, you know, in, in polite society, whatever, it, it, that it, you have this um, vision of people in prison as being like a, a, a totally different kind of person. But really, the things you're talking about make so much sense to me. You know, like it's like, oh, I, I can see how that would be easier just to go and be in prison as opposed to, you know, having to endure the unpredictability of real life. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, uh, you know, when I grew up in this town and there was a prison in the town and I remember driving past that and seeing, seeing the guys out in the yard, you know, and, and uh, with their with their jumpsuits on, and, and, and I remember thinking, man, those guys are fucked, mm -hmm. you know? And then I got sent to prison, and I, I don't think I was in there two months, and I was out in the yard, and I would see the cars drive by on the highway, and I'd think, them people are fucked. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's how everything flips, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Everything changes. It is. Know? It's strange, you know, and I, I had um, visited a prison um, for different reasons. I um, was a really good friends with um, Damien Eccles, who was on death row in Grady, Arkansas. He's one of the West Memphis Three. So right. he and I have been writing a lot, which is one of the reasons why I love your book also. It's, it's a great book, but it's um, something that I encouraged him to do from writing letters to him. And his letters were so poetic and beautiful, and I thought, this should be a book. And, and so he ended up um, compiling all of his story, and I published it for him, and we raised money for his case, and now he's free, right. and he got a huge book right. deal, and his book's bestseller, and it's everywhere, and it's really a great great thing and um you know it's so strange to go to a prison how much they restrict things like i had a wallet that had a drawing of a, of a naked woman on it and they they would not allow right. me to take the wallet and i could take my money and my cards whatever <laughs> but they couldn't take this written like not written but drawn fig, figure drawn right. image of a, a naked woman and I, I was like why are you taking that and <laughs> Wait, that's a weird thing. What, what what harm is that going to do? It, well, it it diminishes the price of our contraband in there. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting into somebody's action. Right. But I, that's why I couldn't imagine anybody getting contraband in because I couldn't even get my wallet in. Yeah, your naked lady wallet. <laughs> my naked lady wallet. Well, you know, you, people. I talk to people all the time that that have never been to prison, and they say, "Man, I could never do that." You know, well. Well, when that when that gate slams shut behind you, 
guess mm-hmm. what? You figure out a way to fucking do it. Yes. You know what I mean? It's And it's prison isn't any different than anything else in the sense that it's only what you make it. So I had, I mean, I had fun. I had a lot of fun because I was determined that I was going to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No matter what I did. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's nice being out. And we'd mm-hmm. rather be out, but while I'm there, I'm not going to sit there being fucking miserable. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I see these, you ever watch those documentaries, The the Locked Up yes. Abroad? Locked Up Abroad. I love Locked Up Abroad. Which is so great because it's always somebody that didn't know that the person they were with was a drug mule. Yeah. Or, or some crazy <laughs> shit like that. Oh, it's so Well, terrible. we're all And they, they end up locked. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> But I, I always watch that, and every time, every country, I always cross that off my list of places I'm going to visit. Like, not going to that one. No. They're, you know, they're not cool down there. There is, as weird as this sounds, there is some truth to that. You hear people say it all the time that everybody in prison says they're innocent, and there is some truth to that mm-hmm. because a lot of us were innocent of what we're actually sentenced for mm-hmm. because of the whole plea bargaining situation oh yeah so they charge you with the highest possible crime they can uh-huh. and you're probably guilty of something a little bit less than that mm-hmm. then you go in and you play take the plea agreement so you've pled guilty to this crime that you're actually not guilty of right you know what i mean and that's not to say that we don't belong there you know what i mean right i think uh i think they've gone way over i mean i think it's just totally fucked up that that we are the most imprisoned country in the world, and every state has an innocence project to try and free the wrongly convicted people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Something just isn't right. Like you know, it just doesn't seem right like that. Well, I mean, it, yeah. It, well, and then in the case of the West Memphis Three, they were wrongly convicted, and right. they were um, imprisoned for close to, uh, to two decades, maybe more, yeah. because of um, the the slow reversal of right. uh, that. You know, to to change American justice, you you have to go through so many different. I don't know phases, and, and it's very hard to appeal. So it just takes forever. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, justice takes such a long time to actually really rectify itself. Well, and I think that's by design. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This people say the system's not working, and. And that's bullshit. The system is doing exactly what it's designed to do, mm-hmm. you know, and it's become a commodity, you know. Mm-hmm. So prisoners are the commodity. Right. You know what I mean? And do they make money off of prisons? I mean, how, how, is, how does pris, prison actually function as an industry? Well, first of all, you know, the, this war on crime started in the 80s with Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And they... There has to be, once Russia fell and was no longer a threat, well, we have to have a war on something. Mm-hmm. We have to have an excuse to bilk these billions of tax dollars out of people. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? And so while Ronald Reagan was proclaiming in front of the cameras, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, he was turning us into the most imprisoned country in the world. People don't mm-hmm. see that. You know, mm-hmm. people think, well, what a great freedom fighter he was. Mm-hmm. But he was the one that started this whole thing. You know mm, what I mean? Right. Um, and that's when this, the, we had the war on crime, the war on drugs. And, right. Which you, you, it's impossible to declare war on a noun, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. He's the first person wow. in history to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, you know, you've got, you know, there, there's a lot of talk now about the war on drugs and how it's just a total failure. And it has been a total failure. And the people fighting 
the you know the legalized marijuana laws uh the people fighting that are the police unions and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the correctional officers unions and because it would empty the prisons mm-hmm. you know the war on drugs was the biggest cash cow for the criminal justice system all three branches you know from the police to the courts and the prisons mm-hmm. so if you eliminate that it really dips into their their budget aren't, aren't there a lot of um not private but like companies they have prisons now then because they can do it cheaper than the government mm-hmm. so they basically in some states they they've opened up prisons mm-hmm. yeah because, they it, because we'll it. do it yeah we'll do yeah. it cheaper than you can do it sure. and it's out of their hands and it, there is it is it is like yeah it's like a business now yeah. and we just need more criminals we need bodies yeah huh? do you know that the annual budget just in california for corrections just corrections is $10 billion a year. Hmm. That's a lot of friggin' money. And mm-hmm. that's just yeah. one state. Yeah. You know, it's, it's incredible. So you have all these minimum mandatory sentences, you know what I mean, which takes the discretion away from the judge. The judge can't look at an individual case and say, you know what, this mm-hmm. person really doesn't belong in prison, you know? Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people in prison that they built prisons for people like me. You know, right, right, right. And and now it's filled with drunk drivers and wife beaters. You Mm -hmm. know, and 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 it ruined it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's no fun there anymore. That's why I went straight. (laughs) The the standards went down. Standards went way down. (laughs) Oh, there's all these new drugs now. What do you think of all of that and making out of all of this? There's drugs that I I I I I would just like. I'm amazed at their their uh, effects. Like. Bath salts. Yeah, or? I I missed all that, you know. Thank God. They're so strange. They they seem to make people turn into flesh eating zombies. That's and... with that big case, right? The mm-hmm. the guy in Florida that was he ate somebody's face. But then, yeah. but didn't they test him and they found out he was only on weed? Oh, so he wasn't. So oh. he was really just a cannibal with the munchies. <laughs> no, I think I, I think the weed was. I think the weed was treated though, or something, wasn't it? Was there PCP? Something in weird it? on something, it. Yeah. yeah. Have you taken PCP? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, not a lot. Um, we used to bring it up from New York to, uh, into Boston. I tried, I've tried everything. I don't have that story either. I don't, I don't have that story mysterious. either. I've never taken. <laughs> you never. <laughs> we, 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 we were running PCP well, from yeah. New York up to Boston. But anyway, um, back to your story. Back to your bullshit story. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it cool though sometimes to sit around like with a bunch of regular people and go am I the only motherfucker who's been on the inside yeah I am so fucking quiet down <laughs> one time that's I a was, great card to pull on people yeah. I was in Atlanta one time and there was these three guys that worked for Blackwater and then what they did is they actually uh, they one guy ran the parachute school and they actually taught people how to parachute right, out right. of helicopters mm-hmm. and shit and so they're telling all these stories about jumping out of helicopters that are taking rocket fire and and uh, they're telling all these stories. And then finally they stopped and they looked at me and I was like, I can't top that. About the worst thing that ever happened to me is my mother called in the middle of an armed robbery once. Oh my goodness. <laughs> did, did you take the call? Of course. Yeah. It's your mother. Yeah. <laughs> was the person understanding? No, go ahead. Go ahead. You take that. You take that. Well, I thought it was the guy out in the car, so I answered the phone, you know. Oh. So I'm like, yo, and I'm like, oh, hi, Ma. (laughs) Yeah, I'm busy, man. Yeah, I'm working. (laughs) 
how hard is that? Because you know it's so hard to get your mother off the phone sometimes. Oh, right. Like I got to go. Well, but yeah, I just needed to tell. You. Like, fuck. Okay. All right. Okay, mom. Yep. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Time. Okay. I'm like, no, it's mm-hmm. not at the car wash. <laughs> That's so great. Yes, ma. I did carpool today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a nice bunch of fellas. I'm with. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, ma. I don't have time. No, ma. I don't. Crime. Very uh, eco-friendly. Right. Then it's hi, dad. <laughs> she gives the phone to the old man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Now, is your family um, excited that now you, you've turned everything around and you are now helping other people who are um, in the similar situations that you were in and even younger people and talking to kids in schools about your experiences? Isn't that a great thing for your family? Well, my, my parents died when I was about uh, four years sober. Uh, my, my mother and father mm. both died, uh, but at least I was sober. Yeah. I was clean and sober when they died, you know what I mean? So... Um, but yeah, I mean, I wish they could see me now because I yeah. put them through hell. Yeah, you know? and they never drank mm-hmm. either one of them. You mm-hmm. know, so I can't imagine what it must have been like for them. The what? Where people. did you decide to then? What? What was if you did not have that example set by your parents? When? Because a lot of times, I uh, and I've noticed in alcoholism that it, it is something that is pretty much in the family, it's hereditary. I mean, you know, uh, but in my family, I think it sort of skipped a generation. Like my grandfather is renowned for drinking all day and he was a politician and he would start drinking in the morning mm-hmm. and just be fucked up all day. And he'd oh, be yeah. conducting these very important right, right, meeting, right. political meetings. Right. And stuff, but he'd be wasted and that was his legacy, <laughs> is that he was fucked up. So that my pa- my parents never drank, but then I thought, I, I just took it upon myself to do it. Right. So I, I thought this is, you know, family tradition. You got to uphold something there, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, I, it, it's definitely hereditary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's definitely a, a, a genetic thing. I had a grandfather that was uh, a vicious drunk, mm-hmm. Irishman, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it was, it was weird because my father's family, none of them drank uh, because they grew up with their father who was right. such a drunk and mm-hmm. so they just you know they swore off of it before they ever even tried it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i didn't see that i didn't see the negative side of it yes yes you know what i mean and it was it was the late 60s 70s in boston and, and it was just crazy you know what i mean You're right and drugs and booze were everywhere i mean we were the pioneers of the drug movement mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i remember in the 70s the american medical association said Cocaine is not addictive. <laughs> wow. They missed that by a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like, I don't like cocaine. I, I mean, I've never really, I've never really had a, uh, a taste for um, amphetamines. Right. So that's never really been my uh, um, kind of, I, 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 to me, that I've actually a very scary experience to be jacked up. Well, I way. tried cocaine once for 22 years. <laughs> just uh, decided just, I didn't like it. Just stick your toe in, right? Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> to but me, there's just there's not enough of it in the world to go to go to be high enough. Well, I couldn't stop doing. It. I started shooting cocaine on my 17th birthday, mm. and uh, and I remember I was 32 years old, and I was at work one day, and I I left work early, and I went and got a big bag of cocaine, and I went back to my hotel room by myself and uh, started shooting cocaine. It was like 11 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I better be careful because I could have a problem with this someday. 
<laughs> yeah. And then thinking how fucking brilliant I was to have that foresight. You know right, I mean? right. But I couldn't stop. And that's, that's how, how I got hooked on heroin, mm-hmm. um, was I switched from cocaine to heroin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those were my solutions. Right. You know? Um, and that worked out. I, not the way I planned, but it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Well, people, the, the thing about cocaine, what I noticed is that, you know, the people that I, I, if I hang out with people who do it, and they start talking about getting some, and it, it, the, the, there's a fever pitch around just the acquisition, <laughs> and then everybody starts farting. Have you noticed that? It's like, I haven't. There, there is a something about talking about cocaine amongst people who do it regularly. And if you, I think, it, I, I believe it's because it's cut with so much baby laxative. Right, mm-hmm. that, Yeah, that they, they are so used to the baby laxative that that's sure. the, I guess, the dopamine Oh, absolutely, response. absolutely. Wow. That would be, that would be people, people, you'd hear people say, yeah, he's got really good shit since I did some of my shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> that was their yardstick. Yes, yes. You know? That's how good it is. <laughs> so we, we used to take the nositol which is the baby laxative, and actually bake it, put it on a cookie sheet and bake it, and mm-hmm. it would flake up, mm. and it would actually look better than the flake cocaine. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And so there were all tricks. You know, we then they, there was, a, for a, a lot of years, they sold it in those plastic vials. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so what you're buying then is volume, not weight. Right. You know what I mean? So we'd take the cocaine, put it in a blender, and mm-hmm. fluff the shit out of it, and then fill that vial, mm. you know what I mean? Because that's what people would look at. Right. How high on the vial does the cocaine go? Oh, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so there was all kinds of, uh, and then save the good stuff for ourselves, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? The more cut we could get in there, the more good shit we save for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's like, it's so interesting with all this stuff that you're, you, you've missed now. I Jim, know, all I these know. drug things that... That we don't even, I mean, I, I don't have an appreciation of cocaine enough to know. So I feel i feel at a loss. But you're still young, Jim. I mean, it's not hopeless. Oh, no, it's not at all. <laughs> you can start any time. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for the right moment. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I'm definitely going to start uh, um, fluffing up some uh, uh, <laughs> baby laxatives in my blender, though. That, yeah, that's I just want to look cool. I yeah. just want to get some cool. good shit here. Just be cool. <laughs> well, plus... Yeah, you got you got an absolutely spotless record, so we could always use a guy like you. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm well, people. I'm good for. Uh, I can give you some clean piss. Yeah. And, yes. Uh, oh, that's you know, great. I can draw. I can drive. You oh know? yeah, that's so great. <laughs> well, I, I I mean I have the criminals in the family and the troublemakers. You know, mm. I mean coming from uh, you know Australia. I mm. mean, uh, my actually my great grandfather. The true story. He was paid by his family to to stay out of the country because he was such a drunk. Right. Mm. That's the thing, mm-hmm. you know. He was just such a drunk. They're like, cash, piss off. I'd have taken come that back. deal. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so they shipped him off to Australia? Uh, he just went, and just they went. would pay him to stay away. Right. right. And that's, you know, that's, that's a drinker. That's amazing. Did he stop drinking, or did he, no, uh, he just absolutely continued not. on the new continent? He just continued. He but just see, blazed a trail. That's, oh. that's exactly what happens in, to your brain um, from addiction. It's a, it's a physiological occurrence and you have no control over it. And mm. it, and so what happens is, is the addiction tells you that you don't need family. You mm-hmm. don't need friends. Mm-hmm. You don't need water. You don't need food. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That all you need is 
the drug. That's it. And the the addiction always wins if, if left untreated. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's why when people go into rehabs and detox, um, they're always dehydrated and malnourished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the, the addiction always wins and the drug comes first. How, how did you finally kick that? Because that's such a hard, especially heroin, such a hard addiction. And so many people struggle well, with I that. Well, I got locked up. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was really it? Yeah, and, and actually, I had, put, uh, I had put some clean time together, almost five years, and I went back out when my parents died. Mm. And I started shooting heroin again. Mm. And my intention was to go shoot a little bit of heroin for a week or two and then get cleaned up again. And that yeah. week or two lasted two and a half years. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in that two and a half years, I was in, I think, 13 rehabs. Wow. And I just couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got arrested again. I caught 11 felonies, 11 new felonies. Uh, 11 new? Yeah. Wow. Um, for stall, stolen credit card wow. stuff. And mm-hmm. so I, I just kicked cold turkey in prison. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, was I sick. You know? mm-hmm. But it was, it was what I needed. But it, there is that mindset, though, like, I'll just do it for a week. Sure. And then I'll... I'll, I'll I'll stop because right. I've known people with the, with that problem, yeah. and, and there is, but there is very much that I've known people who can get clean, but it's staying clean, right. you know, and right. uh, but there is that mindset like ah, just that's just a week. Well, I mean, it's to me, I think what is so insidious about heroin and any kind of op- opiate based drugs is that I've had some experience with it. It's that it actually um, your body starts to crave the drug so much that it takes over all of your being. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. you're like, and, you're no longer a person, you're the drug. And, the, and that's what happens. Like for me, you know, when I had this brilliant idea to just use heroin for a week or two to, you know, to take the pain away from my parents' death, what I forgot all about was that mental obsession mm. that comes back the minute you start, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I knew intellectually, I knew what I had to do. I knew the steps I had to take to get clean and sober again. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't fucking do it. You know, right. I checked myself into this rehab in uh, Portland, Maine, uh, eight times in uh, in less than two year period, and uh, I was going back in for the ninth time mm. trying to get in. And the director called me in his office. He had my folder in front of him, and uh, Doctor Stan Evans was his name. And, and he said, "Do you realize you've been through here eight times in two years?" And I said, "Yeah, I know it." He said, does that tell you anything? Mm. And I said, yeah, it tells me you guys suck. (laughs) (laughs) We should figure this out because I'm fucking dying here. (laughs) Well, we are so glad that you made it and that you you are here to tell your story. And the book is amazing. It's Laughing on the Inside, The Life and Crimes of Felon O'Reilly. And um, and you have a new book coming out soon? I do. It should be out in the spring sometime. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what the title will be yet, but... uh, Well, I love your writing and, and, and I'm really, I'm grateful that I got to um, got to read it. I got to have a book club around it. And we are avidly, uh, so excitedly waiting your new <laughs> new book so thank we can you. have a book club again. So thank you so much, Felon O'Reilly. Uh, thank you, Jim Short. Thank you. We have been the Monsters of Talk. You can follow us at Monsters of Talk and you can follow Jim at Jimmy Sh- Shelter, at Jimmy Shelter, 
And you can follow me at Margaret Cho. Do we have other? Uh, do we have other tag? <laughs> do I, what else do we have? Do I, I don't know. You can. You can. What do you have, Fallon? Do you have? What a, did you have at Twitter or? Do I don't do have it. I do have a Twitter, but I never use it. Oh. Okay. So it's just at Fallon O'Reilly. At right. Fallon O'Reilly. Yeah. Well, um, we'll tweet you anyway. All right. You should. You should I get, get in your there. tweets. I just never respond. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, please respond. And um, yeah, you can also tweet us questions, and we will be back. We are. We are on every Monday at nine a.m. We uh, have a fresh, fresh podcast for everybody so people can look out for that we're on soundcloud.com and uh, you can uh, subscribe to us at itunes that's right i always forget that part i know that's a really important part we're all over the place we're everywhere you can't get away from us don't try don't try <laughs> to run from the monsters of talk just don't do it thank you so much everyone and we will be uh talking to you again next week goodbye